Hey there, welcome to the LSAT Demon Daily. I'm Matt Dumont, an LSAT teacher and tutor at the LSAT Demon and a 3L at the University of Maryland. With me is Jenny Martinez, a 3L at Berkeley Law. Jenny, it's been a long time. How are you? <laughs> it has been a long time. It feels like forever, um, mm-hmm. but it also feels like yesterday. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I'm doing really well. I'm glad to see you. That's amazing. It's so great to see you. It's so great to reconnect. Jenny and I, um, Jenny's going to talk about it a bit more, uh, but Jenny and I worked together on Fox LSAT, which was uh, Nathan's sort of precursor to the demon, which is super awesome. So, um, Jenny, you're on the show today, um, and we're just thrilled to have you on because we love uh, having people come on to say uh, or to tell us about their journeys. And what an awesome journey. You're about to graduate from Berkeley, one of the best law schools in the country, which is just so awesome. We're super thrilled to have you and um, uh, have your experience so that those people that are listening who are like, hmm, I could do that can sort of get the nuggets of wisdom that you uh, will so ably provide. So first, just some some precursor (laughs) stuff. What was your journey to law school? Um, uh, What made you want to go to law school in the first place? Yeah, my journey is a very non-traditional one. Um, So I hope we have some non-traditional listeners here. Um, I did not go back to school till I was 25. It took me that long to decide that I even wanted to go to college or could. Um, So I started out at community college. I then transferred to UC Berkeley for undergrad, completed my undergrad there and began my LSAT prep journey. (laughs) Um, I started kind of self-studying. I then started finding other resources. I found Nathan um, and really wanted to take his course when he was doing Fox LSAT. I applied for his scholarship program, which he was offering back then for the in-person classes. I was granted the scholarship. Um, I took his class. It changed my life. (laughs) And uh, I then started working for Nathan as well as continuing my own LSAT study on the side. Um, And it was great because working for him, I was in the classroom surrounded by all things LSAT um, all the time. And so even while working, I felt like I was still studying. I ended up taking the LSAT, I think, three times. It was so long ago, but I think it was three times. Um, And then, you know, did the whole application thing, chose Berkeley, and now here I am. Awesome. So um, do you remember sort of, uh, I know it's been a bit, but do you remember maybe like what the ballpark of your diagnostic was and what the ballpark of your final official or like your best official was? I do. So my initial diagnostic blind test, never having studied before, was a 147. And I didn't really know anything about the LSAT, hadn't even really done research, just knew I needed to take it. Um, So I didn't know if it was bad or good. And then I started doing research and found out how am I how am I ever going to get to law school with this uh, score? 147, Um, totally typical starting place for a lot of students, though, when it's like cold diagnostic 140s, low 150s, pretty typical. Um, uh, And so, uh, yes, that's not going to get you into law school if you do nothing else, but completely reasonable place to start. Where did you go from there? Yeah, for sure. And but at the time I was totally crushed. You know, I had 
I just, it felt insurmountable um, to get where I needed to be. And that was when I started really like digging in, doing research, buying resources, um, books and things like that. My next, I want to say I went from 147 up into like the low 150s and then the low 160s um, throughout Nathan's course and throughout working with him. When I sat for my very first LSAT, I think I got a 153 or 154. My next LSAT, I think I was up to 162 and my final score was a 168. Awesome. Okay, awesome. So 147 to 168. And this is before like the LSAT flex. I don't know if you know any of the changes in the world. I imagine you're like the LSAT's behind me. Um, This was uh, in the old days of not only a four section test, but a five section test. And you like did the writing sample with 300 of your closest friends in a hotel ballroom. Absolutely. (laughs) While we all sweated profusely and couldn't use the restroom. It, It was great. It was great. Yeah the old times days of yore. So, uh, uh, (laughs) awesome, super huge improvement. And now you're at Berkeley. So I would love to transition to that sort of law school um, retrospective because your journey um, for the LSAT is long behind you. Your journey for law school is almost completed. So uh, why did you end up at Berkeley? How did you end up at Berkeley compared to the other schools you were looking at? What made Berkeley your choice? Um, To be honest, it was not a super hard decision for me. Um, I had gone to, like I said, UC Berkeley for undergrad. And while I was there, I did a thesis in my senior year and I worked with a law school professor on my thesis. So I was already kind of connected to the law school. I spent a lot of time there. I had sat in on classes. I had worked for other professors at the law school doing research as an undergrad. So I knew the sort of faculty that Berkeley Law had and faculty was really important to me. Um, As an older student and also as someone with a non-traditional background, I knew I was gonna have imposter syndrome. I already had it at undergrad. I knew it was gonna be worse in law school. Um, And so who was going to be teaching and instructing was really important to me. And all of the professors that I had had the pleasure of interacting with had been phenomenal. All that to say also, I was pregnant. When I applied to school, I had my son about six weeks into starting 1L. Wow. Um, That's a journey right there. That's a curveball for (laughs) 1L year. Yeah, that was rough. And so going into my selection, I knew I needed somewhere where I could like compete, like truly compete with my classmates, because even though law school can be, um, you know, a collegial environment, it can also be very competitive. And I knew that I was going to have a newborn baby at home and I knew how important 1L grades were. And so that was a huge decider for me. Berkeley does not do traditional grading. We have PASS, H, and HH. And I knew that that would put me on a more level playing field because I wouldn't be able to dedicate as much time as my classmates would. Um, So that was a big one. And then also location. I was already here um, and trying to move across the country or even down to LA with a newborn child was not high on my list of things I wanted to do. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I got a great scholarship. So it was kind of a, a mixed bag of things. Yeah, it checked a lot of the boxes. Um, I've heard other people talk about, because I, I don't think Berkeley is 
unique in the fact that they don't have the more traditional like 4.0 grading scale curved competition like all that kind of stuff where it's pass honors or high honors um i believe some of the other schools even in the top 14 have that if i remember correctly don't don't send in hate mail if i get this wrong but i believe like (laughs) no there are some yeah you're right i believe yale is another example of a school that um has similar sort of grading that's awesome so Okay, you chose Berkeley. What other schools were you considering? Or were there other schools even on the radar since Berkeley checked so many of the boxes? Um, Berkeley actually took a surprisingly long time to get back to me. Um, So I, in the meantime, had to like very seriously consider alternatives. Um, UCLA was a strong, strong contender, probably my number two, because I happened to be a finalist for one of their Fulbright scholarships. Yeah. So that would have kind of made it worth it, even though it wouldn't have been the most convenient thing. If I had gotten that scholarship, I think I probably would have gone to UCLA. Makes sense. Um, Georgetown was another one that I was very strongly considering. Um, The scholarship was pretty good, but not good enough to make me want to move across the country. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) And California Um, weather's better anyway than D.C. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, And USC was another that I very strongly considered. They did. um, I did get a full ride from USC. But ultimately, um, once I received my acceptance from Berkeley, it was more worth it for me to stay. Makes sense. Okay, so... um, What's it been like in law school? How has Berkeley been? Has it lived up to those expectations that you were going in with? I think so. Yeah, I do think so. Um, I will say, again, I mentioned this already, imposter syndrome was definitely there, but um, Berkeley has such a diverse student body in terms of background, life experiences. Um, I thought for sure I was going to be the oldest person in my class. <laughs> I'm, As I'm not. someone who is older than you, I'm like pretty confident that you are not the oldest person in your class. <laughs> I, I thought for sure I would be. Um, I thought I would be the only mom. Um, you know, I thought a lot of things and I was wrong. Um, I have found people who share similar interests as me, people who have families, married with children, And it's been really nice um, just kind of cultivating that community and building relationships with people who are also in the same point in their life. Because I think law school is, you know, what you make it. Um, And some some people are younger and they don't have responsibilities outside of law school. And anyways, that just it was nice to me that there was an alternative community that I could kind of find and, and cultivate. That's awesome. And uh, how have the classes been? How have how's your experience been with those professors that you were, you know, like you said, you chose Berkeley for one of the reasons is because the faculty there is, of course, world class. Um, they can pull some of the best faculty in the world to one of the best institutions in the world. So uh, yeah. how has that experience been in the classroom as well? Yeah, um, it was everything I thought it would be. And and like, I don't I hope that people listening to this uh, don't get too like starry eyed um, by this <laughs> because everybody's take is going to be different. Sure. Um, but I you know, I've taken classes, multiple classes with Dean Chemerinsky, um, and he is just like you said, he's world class um, and he's so approachable, so knowledgeable and really I think the faculty all just try really hard to encourage thought and discussion and really open conversation. And I know Berkeley can have a reputation 
And that has not at all been my experience. I think we have a really wide variety of views and professors do a great job of cultivating mm-hmm. those views and helping people to share them. Um, I I was a little hesitant as a 1L, I think just like not really confident yet in speaking or or getting involved in discussion in class. But in my 2L year, I said, forget that. Like, I'm actually going to take advantage of this. Um, and I've found that my experience has been better. My relationships with my professors have grown. And the supervisory mentorship that you get from professors is just, it's next level. Awesome. Did you do clinic at Berkeley? I am in a clinic right now, yeah. Awesome. What what uh, what clinic are you doing? I, I had a great experience in my clinic. It was yeah. like, transformative. And so I always like to ask about that. So how how is your clinic? What are you doing? Which clinic are you doing? Yeah, so I'm in the death penalty clinic at Berkeley. Um, Nothing yeah. <laughs> light for you. <laughs> no, okay. we go. You know, we we just shoot for the moon around here. Um, and it, but it's always it's it's the work that I have always wanted to do. You asked me earlier, and I never answered you. Um, I I want to be a capital appellate attorney, and I always wow. have. Um, okay. So this is my work. This is what I want to do. So I'm finally getting to do it, and. Like you just everything that you've said, it's totally been transformative. Um, and in terms of like practical skills too, the skill development that you get in a clinic is just unlike anything else you get in law yeah. school, even when compared with like internships or externships. Yeah. Um, You're I think the first anybody chair. who wants to do a clinic should. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. So I'm assuming um, uh, just from the way that you're speaking about it, you're doing defense side appellate work. Um, and Indeed. that's your future goal. <laughs> um, Indeed. Uh, the state's appellate work uh, generally is handled by the prosecutor's side in the AG's office or federal um, at DOJ, of course. Correct. Um, but uh, that's awesome. Appellate work is fantastic. I had a great experience doing appellate work um, myself at uh, state level and um, uh doing those kind of things, it really is, you're arguing about what the law should be. Yes. Or what it could be. Those kind of arguments are the kind of arguments that I went to school for. It sounds like those are the things that you went to school for too. So it's so awesome to hear that. Um, Okay. So I would love to pick your brain about some helpful nuggets towards the people that are listening that are starting their journey. They haven't gotten to law school yet. They haven't necessarily even gotten their best LSAT yet, or even started studying for the LSAT. Um, so what's something that you would uh, tell someone that's just starting out on this journey? Um, uh, one, what's one thing you wish you knew sort of going into this whole process of going through the LSAT and into law school and that kind of stuff? Yeah. Um, okay, so I'm gonna break the rules and I'm gonna give you three pieces of advice. <laughs> three is my best be my favorite LSAT. number. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> one is for LSAT, one is for law school, one is for the journey. Um, I think when it comes to the LSAT, it is really easy to let it get you down. And right. it's really easy to have it be built up as this like unclimbable mountain. Yep. And at the end of the day, um, it is just a test. Like it is literally just a test. We have all been taking exams our entire life. There's nothing special or different about taking this exam. Um, If you're prepared, you've done the work, you've been consistent, you can do it. It is not an unclimbable mountain. Yeah. And I wish I had kept that more in mind because I made it this like thing 
you know, and then it became harder for me to do it. Yeah. Um, when it comes to law school, I'd say the most important thing that I wish I had done and I started doing, but a little too late, uh, well, not too late, but not soon enough is just to be yourself, just Mm. truly be yourself. Um, I mentioned earlier, I was afraid to speak in class early on. I wish that hadn't been the case. I took some of my favorite classes one L year. And I think I just had some like missed opportunities in terms of how good of experiences those would have been if I had been fully engaged. Sure. So be yourself um, with professors at your internships or externships during OCI in interviews, no matter where you're going, who you're talking to or what you're doing, just be authentic. Um, I think that comes across so much more than anything else. Like you can talk about, for example, in an interview, you can talk about your history or your job experience or whatever. But if you're not doing it in like an authentic way, if you're not being genuine Um, I think it's a little hard for people to just absorb what you're saying. Um, And when it comes to the journey as a whole, you can change your mind. Like you can change your mind. And I, (laughs) and I think like people told me this ahead of school, like don't pigeonhole yourself. Right. Like, and I think that's great advice. Um, But give yourself permission to change your mind. Your interests will change, take classes outside of of the realm of what you thought you wanted to do. And it's okay to go for one reason and switch to a different one or have one interest and choose something new. Um, I think that would be the three that I think are most important. Yeah. I, I want to double down on that last one, especially. And I think that goes for the entire journey. If you think you want to go to law school and then you're encountering whatever it is in your life, and that could be the LSAT, that could be, you know, uh, external forces, and it seems like, hey, maybe now's not the time or never is the time. You might decide you want to do something else. No harm, no foul. You can choose to continue pursuing it or choose to deviate. Once you get to law school, you can choose to continue pursuing what you thought you wanted to but we encourage everyone is encouraged try all these varied classes see what actually gets that creativity going see what's really yes. get lighting the fire and that might be the thing that you went there for or it might be something totally unexpected which is super cool 100% 100% yeah. i mean i i told you i wanted to do capital appellate work my whole life and now doing the work i know i still want to do it but contracts one of my favorite classes since law school Okay, one well, of my absolute favorite. And like, who would have thought? This is a perfect just, segue to uh, the next question was like, what have you loved most? Or um, uh, what have you disliked <laughs> most? Uh, it seems yeah. like contracts might be high on the list. But um, what did you it love is. most about school? What did you maybe what's like, I don't, I don't want to say hate, but like, what did you sure. maybe dislike a little bit more than others? <laughs> Sure. So um, I I loved contracts, totally unexpected. Um, and I'm actually going to be doing corporate work when I graduate. So kind of works cool. out. Um, obviously, I've really loved my clinic experience. I have loved all of my internships and externships. I think the things that I haven't loved is when I once I got my my graduation job and knew I would be doing corporate work, I said to myself, like, let me take some classes that I'm not super interested in, but I think will be helpful And Mm. that was a mistake. Um, Mm. That was a total mistake. And I think law school is really about, like we were just talking about, finding out the things that you're interested in, finding out what sets you on fire. 
um, and the things that maybe you're good at that you didn't expect to be good at. And just like following that, like see where that leads you. But I think that when I was taking classes that I was like, oh, these will be helpful, but I don't really love them. I think that was probably my least favorite part of my law school journey. <laughs> yeah, I I will admit that I avoided a lot of the uh, corporate law because I fell in love with criminal law. My favorite, you okay. talked about contracts being your favorite. Crim was my favorite in 1L. And I was like, this is my, pa- this is my future. This is what I'm going to do. Um, and so yeah. I really focused on that kind of stuff. And I didn't take things like business associations, uh, secure transactions, wills and trusts, all those kind of bar tested things. We'll see how well that goes. You'll <laughs> do fine. <laughs> I just knock on wood, right? And I'm sure that you will do. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I there's a lot of advice out there to be like, take all of the bar doctrinals. And yeah, man, you're spending so much time, so much energy, so much money for, for some people like take what enjoy, what you enjoy is, is my absolutely. strong advice. Yeah, absolutely. hundred percent. I mean, you have to relearn the bar stuff when you go to bar study anyway. <laughs> right. Right. And the doctrinal classes aren't going to necessarily prepare you for the bar version. Like it's, it's a whole thing. Um, so, yeah. uh, I got a couple more questions and, uh, then, uh, we'll, we'll sort of wrap it up, but I sure. wanted to find out, um, uh, you mentioned this about like what your internships and those kind of things were. And so I'd love to find out like where your summer internships were, um, where your, uh, if you did any during the year and whether those were geared towards what you're going to be doing after you graduate, whether you did some exploration there, um, what were your sort of jobs outside? Yeah. Um, so my first summer, uh, summer between one and two L I worked in dependency law, okay. um, representing children and was that at a firm? I am, uh, it was at a nonprofit here okay. in the Bay area that, cool. that represents children who are in the dependency system that, I mean, I I'm in the death penalty clinic, right? Like I deal with some heavy stuff. Um, but I've never dealt with anything as heavy as that field. And I immediately learned that is not going to be a field that I can be in. And it might be because I'm a mom. Um, but it was, it was just too much for me. And I think the people who do that work are saints, but I can't do it. And I learned that about myself. Yeah, (laughs) I thought because I'm a mom, I can do this and I'll care. And I just cared too much. And I think it's really important to know where your limits are. Um, and that was a limit for me. Um, and then my, my second year I was working at a big law firm during the summer. That's where I'll be going after I graduate. Okay. Um, and then I did an externship, um, during spring of 2L at the Capitol Pellet Project. Um, here in the Bay area. And we essentially just help prepare cases for capital appellate attorneys. Um, so lots of research, um, investigation, digging through court transcripts. And I learned a ton about the trial process in that particular externship, which I didn't expect to, because it's appellate work. Um, but what happens at trial about the reviewable error, right? Precisely, precisely. So, you know, and all of those things, I learned all of that. Um, and then obviously this year I'm in the clinic. Um, and I think that, I think that wraps it up. I'm pretty sure that's all I've really done while in school. Such good stuff though. Uh, I, I, again, like I've had some experiences. I mean, everyone tries to work in some respect during the summers, but it's also great to put yourself out there during the semesters 
to get some supplemental like co-curriculars, practical stuff with the things you might be studying in school. And it's it's just such great experience. Okay. So you've hinted at what your, what your job is going to be in the very near future. So where are you going? (laughs) What are you going to be doing for your post-grad? So I will be going to Paul Hastings in Palo Alto. Okay. Uh, The Palo Alto practice does two things. We do corporate or we do um, specifically IP litigation. Yep. Um, I took IP in my, we got to choose an elective our second semester of 1L and I took IP. Not for me. I I mean, (laughs) like, (laughs) I I can say like copyright. I love copyright law. Um, And I really like kind of followed that and trademark I like as well, but I like copyright the most. But the IP class was kind of like an overview on copyright, trademark, and patents. And mm-hmm. patents, now there's just jam. no way. There's... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know they say you don't like need a de- an engineering or scientific degree. I tend to think it that's helps, not true. I think strongly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um, anyways, we do IP lit down there. And that's not me because I'm not doing patent litigation. Sure. Um, so uh, I will be doing corporate work. Um, in the corporate department in Palo Alto for Paul Hastings. Okay. So what made you pursue that compared to uh, the death penalty work that you've been doing both as an extern and in the clinic and sort of what gravitated you towards law school? Yeah. So I think there's a couple things. Um, and this was a question that came up a lot during my OCI when I was interviewing with a bunch of big law firms. They were looking at my resume, which was nothing but public interest work, like criminal defense, social justice. And they're like, what, what are you doing here? And I mean, the very real truth is that law school is expensive. Right. And I mentioned earlier, I got an excellent scholarship to Berkeley, but it's not a hundred percent. And I made that choice. I knew going into this, I'm going to graduate with some debt. I might have to bite the bullet and get a job outside of my ideal career. Uh, maybe forever, maybe I love it, maybe I don't, and I stay for however long I need to stay. So that was a big driver for me. But ultimately, the question that a lot of firms were asking is, what are you doing here? And I would explain that to them. But then I would also explain, and I really do believe this to be true, I think you can do both. And that's my plan. Um, A lot of the partners in the office have been very, very open to the idea of me bringing in the pro bono work that I want to work on. And the office culture is just phenomenal, which was a big, big piece of this for me. Um, And so knowing that I have the freedom to do the work that excites me while also being financially responsible, I thought it was the perfect mix. Yeah. I mean, you did mention that your favorite class was contracts. And here we go. Exactly. Um, A little bit of a deviation. (laughs) And uh, the reality of of finding a job just doing death penalty work that also puts food on the table is one of those sort of like unicorn jobs. It exists, but it's also really, really, really limited. There are not too many of those. And I, I think you bring up such a great point. Um, there's a lot of attorneys out there who might have, I'm not going to say divided loyalties, but maybe multiple interests. And some of those interests can be accomplished by your pro bono hours, which you're required to do by the various bar associations anyway. All the lawyers are, at least at least from my experience, like, yeah, yeah. you're required to do pro bono. So why not have it be at a place that's supportive of that, that also pays your bills? Absolutely. And, um, you know, some firms, it it really comes down to just like 
for people who are in the same position, you don't have to give up your public interest dreams and the things you care about in order to, you know, keep the lights on for yourself. Um, You can do both. And some firms are more open and willing to pro bono ideas than others. So it, and more, some of them really embrace this pro bono culture and others are just kind of like, you know, it's a thing we do because we are required to, and that's okay too. But it really just comes down to doing your research, asking the questions in your interviews and finding the place that's going to fit for you. And to sort of bring it back to an idea that we spoke about earlier, you can always choose to deviate in the future, just like you can choose to continue down the law school path or choose to continue down the doctrinal area that you went into law school with. You might do a couple of years of this, love it, and then choose to deviate anyway. That's one of the great things about the study of law if you really enjoy it. Yeah, a hundred percent, hundred percent. Amazing. So any sort of final thoughts, parting wisdom that you might want to throw out there to the uh, Elsa demon <laughs> universe? Giving me, you're giving me too much credit. I don't think I'm that wise. But <laughs> <laughs> um, I just, I, I think just kind of picking up where you left off about parting ways and changing your mind. I don't think that can be said enough. And if you decide also that something comes up in your life, but you're going to go for it anyway, then go for it anyway, right? You can stick to your plan or you can deviate. It doesn't matter. You can do whatever it is that you want to do. I mean, people think I'm crazy for having a kid and starting one out, like literally crazy. People are like, you did what? You knew yeah. you were going to have a kid and you didn't defer. And there's a lot of people that did defer and that's okay. That worked for them, but yeah. I made it work. And if you, decide you're going to make it work and you stick to your plan, you will make it work. (laughs) But alternatively, if you defer or you change your mind, it's not that big of a deal. Um, So anyways, just, and I think that kind of ties in with being authentic and genuine and true to yourself too. Just figure out what it is that you want to do and go after it. Awesome. I think that's just such a great place to end this. Um, uh, Great parting wisdom. Jenny, Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your uh, LSAT and your law school journey. Absolutely. Um, It's been such a pleasure. Thank you for coming. Yes, of course, Matt. Anytime. (laughs) We'll we'll see about maybe uh, having a follow-up once you've gotten established in Palo Alto. When I'm a real lawyer. (laughs) 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 Thanks, Matt. Of course. If you'd like to be on the show, email daily at lsatdemon.com. If you'd like to ask us a question or share some LSAT or law school admissions news, thanks for listening. And if you want to get a hold of Jenny, you can email her at jmartinez at berkeley.edu. That's jmartinez with an S at berkeley.edu.